Welcome to CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Mabra. This is your one-stop shop to learn the business side of your practice on a deeper level. On this show, we empower you to own your CEO status to scale your practice for growth, sustainability, and profit. Listen in as we talk about how to market your practice to gain more visibility, hire, build, and engage your ride-or-die dream team, create streamlined operations, and make financial decisions as a CEO. It's time to show up as a confident leader to create a practice and life you love. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. It's Brandy here, and I feel at this point in time, we are just old friends, old friends just talking about all the ins and outs of business, (laughs) the business side of your practice. No, but I'm super excited for this episode. We have a guest. We have a guest that you're going to be hearing from, Robert Whitley, who is the founder and CEO of Healthy Coin PLLC, a boutique CPA firm that works exclusively with mental health professionals. He actually works with a number of our clients. And one of the things that I love that Robert has a gift for is he can turn the complexity of money into very simple terms, right? And so he just puts a fun spin on it. Like there's probably not too many private practice (laughs) podcasts that you're actually going to hear like, oh, we're going to talk about money, but we're going to talk about little Wayne all in the same, all in the same context. So that is Robert's gift. During this episode, you're going to listen to a ton of best practices, um, you know, ways to look at your money, tangible action steps that you can take that you can actually take back to your practice. And so if you are in the car listening to this podcast, or maybe you're doing something else and you'll want to take mental notes, but I guarantee you that you're going to want to go back and re-listen with an actual notebook, with a good cup of coffee, or maybe a glass of wine or whatever your favorite beverage is in order to take some takeaways as well. I will also tell you that Robert's information, because I know that there's going to be a few folks after this after this conversation that will want to start to work with him. So all of his information is in the show notes as well. But yeah, like you'll hear laughing and everything else too. And so when it comes to the money side, there's a couple people who come top to mind when I think about having a strong financial partner outside of my own CFO And Robert is definitely one of them, right? And so he makes sure that you're set up for success. So just to let you know a little bit more about who he is and what he does, Robert is a licensed CPA and the creator of the Know Your Numbers Blueprint, which has helped over 70 private practices scale from five and six-figure businesses to seven-figure enterprises by keeping a finger on the pulse of the business to drive better, more informed decision making. That's what a strong financial partner does, right? They're going to allow for you or help you or to empower you to make the financial decisions that you need to make as the CEO of your practice, right? So last year, Healthy Coin saved its clients $47 million in tax returns by closely partnering with each client through the unique nuances of their practice to minimize fees and maximize deductions. I know that he's done that for a few of our clients. He has been featured on many podcasts for private practice owners and is a frequent speaker at industry conferences. Robert lives in South Carolina with his wife, Melissa, two daughters, and one beloved dog. So again, you're in for a treat. So buckle up, sit back, enjoy the ride, and listen to some additional conversations about money. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. I have a special guest with me. We've already been having some fun and some laughs before we even got started. 
And so this interview is going to be really, really great. So I have Robert Whitley from Healthy Coin. He is the founder and CEO of, of the business and is amazing, I will say, when it comes to just dropping some financial knowledge that, you know, he works with several of our clients when it comes to being their main account and financial partner. And so I'm excited just to speak with him today about some goals that you can implement inside your practice when it comes to financial and then some best practices. And so we're just going to see where this conversation is going to go. So Robert, welcome to CEO Conversations. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm glad to be here, Brandy. Thanks for the invite. It's good to see you per usual. Uh, yeah, let's dive in. <laughs> yeah, let's definitely dive in. So it's really interesting because I look at a lot of different profit and loss statements with the clients that we work with. And I've seen, I have seen some doozies, seriously. Like I've seen copy and paste jobs. I've seen where there's metrics that maybe accountants might list, but nothing's there. I've seen like dates wrong. I've seen, you know, really big amounts that the owner maybe doesn't know what it is, what it is or how it's categorized. And so one of the things I really enjoyed and how I even became known of you is one of my clients, you know, as we normally do, we sit down, go through a profit and loss statement. And I was really impressed. I was like, wow, this is really good profit and loss. These are really good metrics. And so she started talking about you and just, you know, singing your praises and everything else too. And so shortly after that, there was another client that was started working with you, then another client. And, you know, and then inside of our group, it's like, Robert's great. Robert's wonderful. Like, oh my gosh, I talked to Robert. So finally, I was like, I need to talk to Robert <laughs> see exactly what is going on. So, um, so yeah, so you have a great reputation. And I know that you always come from a place of um, educating when it comes to the financial picture. And so a lot of times with the owners that I work with, and I know that you have heard the same thing, <clears throat> money can be so intimidating, right? And so a lot of times people avoid it. There's money stories that we have. And so I'm curious to know, um, you know, when you start working with folks, what are some of the things that maybe come up um, as you start to dive in to teach them more about their money? Yeah, man. Well, first off, thank you for the warm words. I, um, You're welcome. I'm appreciative because, you know, a lot of what I do is a thankless job <laughs> and um, it's nice and refreshing when someone like you that has a lot of experience can come in and and say, look, I saw what you did there with that clean yeah. P&L. <laughs> You know, 90% of the world doesn't really know what P&L means. It's like, what? Exactly. Peanuts and lemons. No, it's profit and loss, homie. Um, no, I, I, I appreciate you for that. Um, man, I mean, when I start working with a client, it's it's really such a good question because it's, it's never the same, right? Because people mm -hmm. get into business based on passion. It's not because they want mm -hmm. to run balance sheets and send invoices and to pay taxes. It's never anyone's goal, um, but it's part of business. So it's always a part of like my journey to find out, okay, where are you at? What type of business understanding do you have? You know, what's your acumen, if you will? If I use the term debit mm -hmm. and credit, are you going to freak out or will you know what I'm talking about? And if so, cool, right? You don't, you're going to freak out? We're going to break it down. And every time we meet, bit by bit, you will turn into a CPA over time. And that's just been my approach. So. You know, you say mm -hmm. I have this thing of educating my clients. That's 100% right. I think my tagline is like, I like to uplift and empower business owners, which is just a fancy mm -hmm. way of saying, like teaching them, you know, bit by bit by bit so that over time, debit and credit, that's easy, right? And now we're moving mm -hmm. on to bigger and better things. 
Yeah, yeah. I love what you said, because everybody's different. And even with the, the clients, like strengths, weaknesses, baggage, experiences, you know, limiting beliefs, all of it when it comes to that financial conversation that they can definitely bring different practice models, you know, different types of specialties, like everything, um, goals, everything. And so I love the fact that you come at it from just a tailored approach. So when you're thinking about when you're working with some folks, what are some of the areas that you always want to make sure that they're aware of or some of the best practices that you've seen when it comes to how folks need to look at their financial picture for their practice? Hmm. <clears throat> That's such a good question. Number one area that I like to tackle first is to, to teach them how money actually works. And you hit it mm -hmm. on the head. And I think you had a previous episode. It may have been the one that immediately precedes this, but I don't know the time of this podcast. Um, but you were talking about the money stories and the money mindset, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, the family of origin component that weighs into it, that has that downstream implication into how you facilitate as an adult in life. So um, how money works is kind of foreign and a lot of people don't get it, right? So mm -hmm. it it's going to sound crazy. Hear me out. It takes money to make money. And I don't think enough people, I think they understand it at face value, but I don't think they really you know, know what it means. So what does it mean, Rob? Okay. Um, let's say you make $100. I'm going to flip the script on you on your own show, Brandy. How much money did you make? You just made $100. Oh, I mean, How much money did you mm -hmm. make? In my mind, you know, it's $100, but I'm going to think about how can I turn that $100 into $200 or $300 okay. or $400 or $500. You know, that's that. So it's more than just $100 for me. That's it. That's it. I love it. Yeah. It, I like your answer a lot. Um, I use this example <laughs> with my clients, though, because <clears throat> normally they'll say like $100. And I'm like, no, you made 40 And they're like, no, I made, mm. I made 100 And it's like, no, you made 40 And I'm like... You just said I made a hundred. Okay, let's talk about overhead. Let's talk about tax. Let's talk about how the hundred yeah. got in there, the credit card processing fee, all those different components. The sooner they can learn that it takes money to make money, now we can talk mm -hmm. about something like profit. So number mm -hmm. one key area, explaining the velocity of money, how it circulates in small business. You know, we tackle things like profit and uh, overhead, payroll. Mm -hmm. um, those are some of the key areas that I like to tackle. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of because a lot of times, especially in the social media space, and even with some of the clients that I work with, they're seven figure plus practice owners, right? And so and even with some of the companies that I've been part of practices, I've been part of, there's millions and millions of dollars that are coming in the door. But that doesn't necessarily mean that from a financial perspective, that the practice is even healthy or the company's healthy because of the, what you're saying, you know, the $100. But really, you on the books, it looks like you've made $100, but truly that $100 is $40. Same thing at every stage of business. So whether if it's six figures, multi six figures, seven figures, eight figures, 10 figures, whatever, that money that's coming in the door is just the money that's coming in the door. But you have to make sure that you know where that money's allocated to and what your version of $40 is going to be. So I love the I love that's one of the things that I really like about you is because you break it down in such simple terms where people can understand. Like I remember one of our first conversations, 
you talked about profit and how profit is, you know, it's like you're going to reference Little Wayne. And so with Little Wayne, it's like it's pocket money. You know, your profit is your pocket money. And so, you know, you work with folks to try to give them to have more pocket money. And so <laughs> like for me, I was like, that's so good. That is so good. It's a fun analogy. It makes it easier to understand. Um, because there is a difference. There's a big difference between revenue and the money that's coming in the door and then that what's on that bottom line. So, mm -hmm. um, so yes, I love it. I love it. What are some other best practices that you, that you might walk through when it comes to the clients that you work with? Yeah. Um, can I, can I weigh in on the little Wayne reference for just a minute? Absolutely. There's a, Absolutely. There's a small chance and by small, I mean, large chance that a lot of your audience, they don't know me from Paul. And I want to explain like why I do that. <laughs> Because not every day you have a CPA making references to, you know, little Wayne, <laughs> right? But <clears throat> I have found that money is so taboo, right? It's one mm -hmm. of those things you can't really talk about with family. You don't talk about how much you make with mom and grandma. And small business is a very lonely island. Like, it, you can't really mm -hmm. have those conversations with colleagues that have a normal job because the language is different. Like, oh, man, I'm stressed. I got to make payroll this week. They're like, I get paid every two weeks. What are you talking about? It's oh, just different. Gracious. It's a different mindset. Yes. So I use those references to disarm. It's a disarming mm -hmm. technique. Because if you hear me say, you really need to focus on your profit maximization strategy in order to sustain the business in a way that will streamline growth, scale the operations so that you can onboard at least 12 new resources, that'll put you into the million dollar territory. Sounds sexy, mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh, okay, brother. But <laughs> but to the untrained ear, it's like, that sounds heavy. Right. That's heavy. But the second you hear a little Wayne, and I'll be cute with it, I'll be like, you know, the, the accomplished political theorist little Wayne once said that, you know, it's all about pocket money. And they're like, what? <laughs> but now I've, I'm in. I'm past that, right, that barrier, that, you know, that defense mechanism that people put up, I'm past mm -hmm. that. We're laughing. And then hopefully if I do my job right, the point that I'm trying to make stands. So just for the listeners, why is he making references like that? That's why. Um, yeah. Yeah. Other best practices don't run away from the numbers. A lot of people mm -hmm. will take the reports, not look at them, you know, just kind of play the naivety game. Oh, we'll figure it out. No. It's your baby. Like, it's your job to figure it mm -hmm. out. So um, a good best practice is to actually check in periodically, review the numbers. If you don't know what a number means, right? Like I had some clients that, you know, we've got this cool dashboard and some of the metrics on it include current ratio and working capital. Mm -hmm. And one of them tried to play coy and they're like, oh, yeah, it all looks good. And I'm like, ah, something's not sitting right. And I'm not the type to be like, oh, everything's good. Okay, Bye. No, I'm like, I see you kind of grimacing. I, I said current ratio and you did that thing with your hair. I'm like, no, let's let's talk about it. Uh, and I asked, I'm like, do you remember what current ratio means? Just put them on the spot. Like, Robert, why would you do that? Because I care about my clients. That's why. And they're mm -hmm. like, no, I don't know what it means. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, great. Let's talk about it. And then we explained, right, it's how um, healthy the operations are in order to cover mm -hmm. the business, you know, debt obligations and why you actually want to know about that, what a good number is, benchmarking it to other practices. And before you know it, now every time we meet, yeah, my current ratio is looking healthy. Working capital yeah. needs to go up another 10%. I'm like, girl, I'm so proud of you. 
Like, let's go. <laughs> so that's the best practice, man. Just don't be scared of it. If you have questions, ask your CPA. That's literally their job is to answer those questions. Uh, and then the more you know, I, I think about it like incremental growth, right? Like mm -hmm. bit by bit. I signed up to do, to do a marathon in 2020. Actually, my wife signed me up to do a marathon. We were going to do it together, partner with our church. We're like, whoop de whoop raising money for some noble <laughs> cause. She backs out, right? Like two weeks in, and I'm like, I didn't already met the nonprofits. I didn't raise money. I can't back <laughs> out. So she's chilling. I'm running, and I'm not a runner. I'm a hooper. So it was hard. Like, I could barely run three miles, let alone 26. But there's a training program. All right, so the first week you're doing two miles, second week four. Mm -hmm. Now you're up to 17. You're like, what? It's that incremental growth strategy. So what I tell mm -hmm. people, best practice, don't run from the numbers. And every opportunity you get to connect with your person, your money guy, money gal, ask one question, right? And let that kind of mm -hmm. snowball into true proficiency. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Like there was a call that I was on with and it was our client and her husband. And we were talking about some of the words like profitability and revenue. And he said, I'll love it when she comes home and talks about that. If I can hear those types of words, woo, you know, that is going to be, that's so sexy. That is so sexy because that tells me that you're paying attention to like the number one thing that is truly going to, you know, what matters too, because the money piece is the lifeline of the practice. Mm -hmm. And as much as you want to shy away from it, you have to pay attention to those numbers. So I always tell our clients, you know, you have, I want you to pay attention to the money every single day because especially in a practice there's money that's coming in the practice every single day whether if it's from a payer whether if it's from you know clients and patients paying invoices whether if it's from you know just outstanding money coming in from insurance payments deductibles co-pays all of it and so when you think about a practice it's not really your standardized business where it's really kind of cut and cut and dry i know before the episode we before we hit record we were talking about restaurants like when you go and you eat you pay right then or if you go into a store most stores you know unless if you're doing some type of payment plan or something but most times when you go into a store you buy something you are immediately paying for that some way or somehow whether if it's credit card whether if it's through you know cash that you're paying or a debit card and so with healthcare it's a little bit different and so i'm curious to know how do you view practices because there's such a different dynamic when it comes to the true holistic health, like financial health of a practice? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you hit it right on the head. Like the timing differences that exist in healthcare mm -hmm. make for a very confusing set of books, but it also if you do it right, and this is the part that I try and tell people, if you do it right, <clears throat> it can set you up for a very easy business model because there's a component mm -hmm. of predictability that's woven into it, right? Yeah. I am paneled with United Healthcare. I know that they pay on the 28th day preceding my billing, and here is the average reimbursement rate. You don't really mm -hmm. get that in a lot of industries, right? Where you know, yeah. 28 days from now, this client, let me tell you from, <laughs> the, from the source, okay? I send out invoices, I send up my hands in prayer, and I hope that that thing comes back 
with the check, Paid. wire. <laughs> but hello, right? So you know, not all businesses. Have. I'm here. <laughs> God, please just allow for them to remember me today. <laughs> Sufficient for today. Hello. Yes. Uh, oh. Give me my daily bread. Within. Yes. Amen. So, so yeah, it's definitely complex and there's nuances, right? Because mm-hmm. you're dealing with payers and providers and mm-hmm. there's private pay. I don't want to say the swear words here, but there's sliding scale too. So a lot of, lot mm-hmm. of nuances, right? But yeah. for your heavy hitters, right? That 80%, I'm a big fan of the Pareto principle, right? 80-20 mm-hmm. model. For a large portion of it, there's a predictable component. And if you can understand the numbers, not shy away from it, that'll lend itself to a very easy to manage practice where, you know, mm-hmm. based on your performance, I can expect X if I can keep up with the systems. Um, but yeah, the timing difference is definitely there. It's tricky. It's something I have mm-hmm. conversations about almost daily. Um, but I'm going to make a, a, a kind of a reference here, not a cute yeah. one, but it's kind of like a software company. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the most, efficient practices I work with, they treat it like a software company. And what I mean by that is, you know, a software company has a recurring revenue model, right? Think about your Spotify membership or your Apple music, yeah. right? Every month you're paying, what is it like $11, $11, $14? Yeah, something like that, like $11.99. Like <laughs> right. And you don't even think about it. Like you as a consumer, you're like, yeah. you know what? I got my Beyonce, I got my Travis. Mm-hmm. Got my Maverick City. You don't care. It's just eleven dollars. <laughs> You've just treated it like an operational cost. But for Spotify, you, along with millions of other subscribers, all flow into what they call a deferred revenue waterfall report, which tells mm-hmm. their board of directors exactly how much they can rely upon for future. And yeah, you yeah. factor in some things like customer drop off. They call that churn, right? Maybe some net new sales opportunities, some lift, but by and large, Mm -hmm. you have a really good baseline for how the company's going. So some strong practices, they treat it like a software company. They're like, okay, I know our billing for this period. That means, right, for the next six months, we can probably average X per month. Mm -hmm. You know how much power comes in that? And the knowing? Just in the, oh man. Yeah, no, it's the it's the predictability. And so one of the things too I always say is that you know exactly what the financial picture is going to be of your practice, you know, next month, the month after. And one of the other metrics too is just based on how many people are scheduled today. You know, so if you can look at, you know, October 19th and you see nobody's on the calendar, right? No one's on the schedule, that means for October 19th of 2023 you're going to make $0. So don't act surprised when you get to October 19th, 2023, and you're not hitting your revenue goals, right? So it's like a lot of, if you just look ahead or you look at what are the trends, you know, what's happening month over month, year over year, you kind of have an idea of what the financial gain or the financial, you know, like the, what that metric's going to look like essentially. So I always talk to that in any time to like, why? didn't hit the revenue goal okay well let's talk about why you know what was happening you know this time even a couple months ago oh well i lost a provider okay you know what else happened oh well i hired a provider 
Okay, well, what else happened? Uh, I took some time off. Okay, well, that's all going to factor in what's happening financially. So you have to make sure that there's a story of why the numbers are happening. You know, that's why you put the data with it. And then you always know future if you want to look out. So I love what you're saying about United Healthcare and getting really clear on the dates that they pay. We were talking about this with another payer with one of our clients too. It's just, you know, what's the, like, when's the check going to come? And you have, and all payers have trends. Usually it's either within 30 days, some some are within 60 days. You know, you know the ones who are going to pay fast and one, the ones who are going to pay slow. But look ahead, just, just one month. <laughs> See, you know, who's on the schedule, who's not on the schedule. And then go and try to fill your schedule. So it's like there's so many tangible things that you can do to bring more revenue into the practice that you can start today. You know, you don't have to settle for whatever number, you know, you have if you don't want to, because mm. a lot of the data is just right there if you choose to look at it. So I love what you're saying. Love it. So love true. It. Yeah. So as people are navigating their practices, what are some, you know, um, maybe goals that they can have or, you know, just some things that they can maybe incorporate as they're showing up and looking at their financial picture? Uh yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest goals I want to share is to find a healthy way to compensate your team. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the number one line item on a PL, it's the labor, right? If you have a pra- like a big practice, if you're a solo practice, then it's not a topic for you. But most practices that we're talking about, right, six, seven, eight figures, yeah. they've got big teams, mm-hmm. individual clinicians, yeah. lots, lots of different licenses. You have to find a healthy, happy medium that mm-hmm. correlates to both business success and, you know, inspired individual contributors, right? That's the number one business goal I think most practices should should aim for. Yeah, yeah, I love that. What are some ways that you find maybe just a couple of things that they could do to help with that, especially because I find like from some of the payment or, or provider models, it's like the individual contributors are like the 1099 contractors versus the W-2 employee. And so some of those mindsets and trying to make sure that everybody is engaged and, you know, and folks can lose money, especially when it comes to an unengaged team or a team that is turning over or a team who isn't inspired or a team who can only work a select few amount of hours or I can only see five clients this week, or I can only have, you know, I can only do five visits in any, you know, in any given time when you really need for that provider to do more. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, with the W-2 employee, you know, making sure that they feel appreciated and that they want to continue to grow as part of the practice and things too. So what are some of, you know, some of the things that maybe you work with on clients when you're talking about the payment models? Yeah. Oh, you've introduced a lot of good topics. Um, and, <laughs> Which one? Pick your adventure, Robert. Yeah, Pick your those, adventure. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, they all matter, right? They all kind of come mm-hmm. together in this yeah. beautiful blend of operation. Okay. I'll talk about the one that comes up the most for me, right? Okay, awesome. Um, how much do I pay my people? That's yeah. the number one that comes up. So engagement, right? Um, sustainability, expectations, hourly commitments, mm-hmm. that, all those come up too, but it's like 20%. 80% is, I don't know what the split should be. I don't know how yeah. much the salary should be. And I think what happens is, <clears throat> I think the practice directors start to listen to their heart more than their head. Mm-hmm. Which, Amen. 
Amen. You feel me? And it's it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's it's a good heart posture to have, yes. right? Especially yeah. in our type of climate, right? Corporate mm-hmm. America, right? Yeah. Capitalism, right, right, right. It's good. Yes. It's refreshing. But you not running a nonprofit. <laughs> this is exactly. not an expensive hobby. <laughs> so that means we have to use our brain to make educated decisions based mm-hmm. on true data. And then we can lend our heart when the profit's there. That's just my stance, right? Yeah. So I've heard it all, Brandy. Like, yeah, I think, I just think it'll be more, you know, fair for them if I give them 80%. Like, oh, so you want to be a 990. What's that? That's a nonprofit. No, no, Mm -hmm. I'll make 20%. But it costs you 30 to keep the lights on. So now Mm -hmm. you will be running at a loss for every single session, right? And then it's like, oh, well, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, let's talk about it. So mm-hmm. a good best practice that I work through with a lot of my new, right, new practice direct or even existing ones, to be honest, this isn't like a, mm. it happens at every level, even like the eight mil. Like, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, what's their revenue? I think they did 16 million last year, even at mm-hmm. that level. Same conversations. So I have a formula that I break out. You mind if I cover it real quick? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll make it quick. So with brevity, we start with number one, what does it take to keep the lights on? What's your overhead? Mm -hmm. What are the controlled costs, right? Rent, utility, tax, all that stuff. The money it takes to make money, right? Um, Yeah. Esteemed scholar and political theorist Kanye West once said, (laughs) having money is not everything, (laughs) not having it is, Um, which is real, (laughs) right? Like, Try and run a business with no money. It's not Mm -hmm. very easy, right? Um, What are the costs, right? What what is Mm -hmm. our predictable overhead that we can expect? Number two, once we have that number, great. Number two, what is the ideal take-home pay for the director? You own the company. Mm -hmm. You started this business, right? This is your baby. You should not be working for free. Hello? Mm -hmm. What is that number? What do you want it to be? This is the part where we have to do a little seasoning. Some people are quickly, yeah, uh, uh, 150, 600,000. Okay, let's make it smart. Let's make it realistic. Can we do 600 today? Mm-hmm. No, but we can get there. I tell people all yeah. the time, the operative word is yet. We can't get there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Language is important. So, right, <clears throat> what are our costs? What is the ideal take-home pay for the owner? Right, which gives us that middle number, which is cost, and the bottom number, which is owner compensation. How we get to owner compensation can happen in a host of ways. It could be salary, it could be distribution, it could be draw, it could be a shareholder loan, it could be a dividend. Mm-hmm. We'll worry about the nuances later, but let me know what the number is. Cool. You gave me the middle, you gave me the bottom. Now I have to get to the top and the labor component. So to get to that bottom number that you say is realistic, what's that top number got to be? Well, in order mm-hmm. to clear $100,000 for myself, I need to generate half a million dollars as a practice. Cool. You didn't solve the formula for how much you can pay. <laughs> you got a top number, half a million. You know your cost. Now this is what you can afford to pay mm-hmm. your people, right? Yep. If you approach it with that type of design and framework, 
you can remove the emotional component. And then after mm -hmm. that, let's just say like you, you do all this model, which I've done before, and the number's too small, right? It works out to it's like, well, no one's going to take that. <sighs> like, ain't nobody going to take that. How do you know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. How do you know? That is what I'm saying. How do you yeah. know? Yeah, I, like, and not, and I want to be clear here. I'm not suggesting that you abuse a system or try mm -hmm. and you know, take advantage of someone and pay them intentionally less than the market represents at their worth. But what I am saying is that not everyone is an arcade game. Not mm -hmm. everyone is just coin operated, right? Money, 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 money. A lot of people, yeah, times is tough, need that paper. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, they are exiting horrible practices. They have mm -hmm. dealt with crappy bosses, not so fun experiences, overload, burnout. Maybe they have a nest egg or a trust fund and they're just bawling and they're just working because they want to. There's so many things that could happen. And I think it lends itself to a healthy conversation. You present yeah. what you think is a fair and equitable compensation and you ask them, will this work for you? What are your thoughts on this arrangement? You may be surprised. Be, oh, this, I was actually expecting a little bit less. And you're like, oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought 64,000. Okay. You think, okay. You mm -hmm. never know. So work through the framework. Yeah. And I think that that helps people kind of reconcile that heart and head dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Just using data yeah. a little bit more powerfully. Yeah, no, I love it. I absolutely love it because it is, it always comes from the heart. And I think just as healthcare professionals, we're all heart centered anyway, you know, we're going into a field to help fix people. Right. And so even with my background, my background is actually clinically based. And then I learned a whole lot of business along the way and got, you know, degrees and everything else too. But at the end of the day, that heart centered piece, you want your team to be happy. But I loved what you said about the, when you hire a team, you know, sometimes the, the business culture really matters, truly matters more than the the pay that the person might be receiving as well. I know for me personally, I've left jobs where the salary was great, but the business culture was awful. So I would go to work stressed every day. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times with our clients, I'm telling them that story like you just don't know. And, and oftentimes you're bringing so much expertise to the table when it comes to training and onboarding and you know, work-life balance and the fact that they feel heard, they can actually be more and work purposefully, you know, compared to a lot of times when you're working with bigger practices, it becomes more of a number game, like just trying to churn people out. And there's not really any sense of belonging. And so if you can bring that from a business perspective and a culture perspective, that's a winner. And then you can always negotiate that salary piece. But I don't believe that the owner has to give themselves peanuts or, you know, live a lifestyle that they don't want to live because to build something out of nothing. And, you know, for folks listening, I know that I say this all the time, it takes work and there's a lot of stress that's involved with that. There's a lot of weight that's on your shoulder. So you deserve to be paid. You deserve to be able to take time off. You deserve to be able to spend time with your family or leave a legacy or take a vacation and, you know, not feel like the practice is just you know, just running you and that you just have to be broke all the time. Like mm. it's not, it's not right because of the amount of weight that you're carrying. So pay yourself, please pay yourself and use Robert's formula. <laughs> so yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So I love it. I love it. So are there any other goals that you would like to share? Other goals I want to share. Um, I want people 
to make every day a profitable day. Yes. You alluded to it earlier because you said we all have calendars, right? They're everywhere. Mm -hmm. Email, phone, yeah. probably on your refrigerator. Um, mm -hmm. You can look ahead and make sure that every day is a profitable day. And in order to do that, there's one thing that you have to do. And I might get some hate from some people here, but you must scrutinize your AR. Yes. Right? For those... That may not actually everyone on here probably knows because if you follow brandy you're super smart um but <laughs> in case you don't follow brandy ar means accounts receivable right so it's mm -hmm. the money that you're owed from <clears throat> a customer i find that a lot of practices don't they don't look at that because like you yeah. said it's you know it's you know it's a social justice issue like if i don't get paid mm -hmm. it's okay and i'm like mm -hmm. if you don't get paid that's certainly not okay. No, it's, not. <laughs> it's, it's not okay. Um, so just to scrutinize it, right? Okay, we're owed this money from X group, this payer, these mm -hmm. clients. Develop a plan to get after it. They call that collections. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you can do that, right now you're equipped to scale the practice a little bit more efficiently. Less stress about making payroll. Less concern about, ooh, can we cover rent? Should we expand into that new office? Ooh. Mm -hmm. Estimated taxes are coming up. It's 9.15. Oh, my God. It's 9.19. Oh, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stress <laughs> about that. It's, it's cool. But it mm -hmm. requires a certain level of proactive, you know, work that gets done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I like with AR, there is clients that I've worked with. $85,000 just hanging out there, 120 days. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this? And so I always say best practice is anytime, if you can get in any money when it comes to payers or outstanding balances or deductibles, co-pays, all the things that we were talking about earlier in the practice within at least 30 days of service, that's a best practice to even just strive for. And even though there will always be nuances, again, just talking with the payer or how long it might take for folks to even pay, but if you go at your collections from that perspective, that means that you're now going to be proactive before people even come in for the visit or the session. You're going to now have conversations about, you know, this is what your deductible looks like. You're going to have conversations where this is what the prior off is. You're going to have conversations about, you know, well, we've already gone through your visits and now would you like to continue? And this is what the plan is. And you can now be maybe private pay or, you know, oh, we have an HSA that, that we can take or an FSA that we can take, you know, it, like it's. It's different when you start to pay attention to accounts receivable and trying to make sure that you're hitting that 30 day mark. So I love I love it. And when the profitable day, I'm all about a profitable day. And so that's why I always say, like, look at like what's happened October 19, you know, and then even if you want to get really savvy into it, you can even set it up based on payer or even what sliding fee. You know, you don't have to see a whole schedule of sliding fee. You can have maybe one or two and you'll know that that's there. You can maybe have like even with United Healthcare, that's our number one payer. That's the most money that comes in the door. So let me make sure I'm making room for United Healthcare. When it comes to Blue Cross Blue Shield, that's a little bit maybe on the lower end. So maybe, you know, if we're seeing a lot of Blue Cross Blue Shield, then I'm going to even think about the financial picture of it. I'm probably not going to have as profitable of a day compared to if I see all United Healthcare or if I see all self-pay that day. You know, so like you can really set yourself up when it comes to templates and operations and, you know, what you're seeing, the types of visits that you're even scheduling in order to have a more profitable day. So you have so much control over how much money comes in the door if you decide to get to that level. Um, then yeah, it becomes really fun. It's almost like a game, almost like a game. 
Brandy, you dropping jewels like a blind jeweler right now. <laughs> blind jeweler dropping gems. That yeah. did you? I want to play that back. Sorry. You said to break out by pair. What? Yeah, yeah. Like we used to do all. I mean, just so much stuff. So much stuff to set yourself up, and you don't have to come by surprise. That's why we always look at like, especially if we're taking insurance, who are your top five payers? Mm -hmm. Because when you set your schedules up for that, or you know, most times folks aren't paying attention, but you need to know like who are your top five payers. Because if you do have a month where you're seeing more of a payer compared to other months, that's going to affect the, you know, the financial picture. So you need to know like, oh, we saw more United Healthcare. And then even from a marketing perspective, you can even be savvy enough to go after more United Healthcare. And a lot of folks don't like to talk that way because it comes from a place of more business oriented, or I just want to help people, or I just want to have access, you know, have open access. And there's a time and place for that too. But if you are, again, not able to keep the lights on, or if you are struggling financially, or you are just putting your practice at the mercy of things, and you have to make sure that you're setting yourself in other ways. Mm. So that way you can stay, you know, you can stay around to help more people. Like you yeah. cannot help people if you're bankrupt. You just can't. So you can't. I guess you can do this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Robert, I've loved this conversation. I love this conversation. So are there any last words that you would like to leave the folks before we wrap it up? Hmm. Last words. You have full permission to be the most unique and authentic and talented version of yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I really stand on the belief that you sh we should start to, um, you know, deconstruct this idea that therapists have to be broke. I don't know where it came along, maybe because it's woven into social justice issues, but you deserve to be profitable. You deserve to be wealthy mm -hmm. and Keep listening to Brandy, man, because <laughs> the stuff that's covered in this podcast is truly life changing and practice changing. So that's what I'm leaving them with. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I just appreciate you guys coming on the show and just sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge, too. So where can folks find you? Because I know you're going to get some listeners saying, hey, I need Robert. I need Robert in my life. So uh, where can people find you? Oh, uh, They can find me uh, on our website, healthycoin.net and on Instagram at, at healthy.coin. Okay, awesome, awesome. So make sure if you took nothing else from this episode that you have a strong financial partner to help you with your goals when it comes to the practice. Like a lot of times I know folks will say, oh, I can't afford an accountant or I can't afford to work with a financial partner. You cannot afford not, you know, I probably said that all jacked up, but you understand what I'm saying. Make sure that you have somebody that you can trust and somebody that's gonna teach you and inspire you when it comes to the financial picture of your practice. And I will leave you guys with that. So we'll see you next time, bye. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and it empowers you as the CEO of your practice. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you subscribe, share the message, and leave a review. If you want more information and support in growing and scaling your practice, click the link in the show notes to take advantage of our free resources or apply to work with me directly. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.